Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas to me so that you can save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Speaking of which, there's a scam that was busted recently that stole tens of millions of dollars from people claiming you were going to get rich as a concert promoter. Seriously, I'll fill you in on that later in today's Clark Rage. And coming up yet later, it just eats at me that police officers, firefighters, and teachers, among others, get absolutely ripped off on their retirement savings. And I want to tell you about it and tell you what to look out for and what may change with that in the future, but what you need to know and do right now. And speaking of which, there's a lot more interest in protecting your privacy as things come up in the political realm with emails and texts that people have written and what they think is privacy suddenly being splashed across television or in newspapers or in social media. And we forget how in an electronic era, things that we say end up not being private. And I remember, I I mean, this is definitely the analog era. When I was in elementary school, I had a teacher who used to, do thing after thing to set examples about why once you said something and not only didn't it stay private but how it was told and retold and retold was not at all something that would make you look good and on reflection i mean i still remember i was in the second grade i still remember to this day you never know what an elementary school teacher teaches you that you never forget It's how you better be careful what you say because you never know when that will boomerang on you. Well, we communicate so much by texting, by email. A lot of people don't really use email very much, but use texting all the time. And those messages, well, they're not private, as we find out in story after story when people don't look so good when their messages or emails are published. But there's a two-sided coin here. There are things you can do now that will be pretty fail-safe at encrypting what you write and will eliminate the problem of you potentially being embarrassed later unless the recipient of a message wants to embarrass you later. But in terms of a third set of eyes, seeing what you write, seeing what you say, and being able to use that against you, that is something that you can protect simple ways. First thing is use third-party messaging apps instead of text messaging. There are a number of third-party messaging apps that if both sides are using them, then they are uh, encrypted. And again, only the recipient can be the one who fouls your life up. But not anybody else looking at what you're doing 
and then causing mischief for you. And the most popular of all of them, I find it really ironic. It's one that I use. It's called WhatsApp. And WhatsApp is a company that Facebook bought. And if you think of any technology company that has more of a cloud over itself than Facebook, there isn't one, that Facebook repeatedly invades people's privacy on Instagram, which they own, and on Facebook. But WhatsApp so far has been a clean way for you to communicate and with one-fourth of the world's population using it, try to imagine that. One-fourth of the world's population uses WhatsApp. The odds are really strong that you're going to find that a friend or somebody you want to communicate with is on WhatsApp and you can communicate with them. If you're doing a business transaction or anything where you need to make sure that all the communications remain as private as possible, the end thing people use is signal. And so both sides communicating about something will use signal and it protects it from any prying eyes that might upset a business deal and negotiation or anything like that. But it can be used by for consumer purposes as well. And then for years, you may have heard me recommend for email ProtonMail. And ProtonMail is a great way for you to protect your communications. And I want to tell you that Apple, that my uh, 14-year-old son won't stop talking about the changes in iOS 13. And that iOS 13 has a variety of improvements in protecting your privacy and protecting your information. The tech writers say, though, you shouldn't download it for another few weeks because there's a lot of bugs in iOS 13, apparently. But the one that that my son keeps talking about that I'm most excited about, and it's just one of the privacy features included in iOS 13, is where you can generate fake email addresses. Actually, Apple does it automatically for you. So when you sign up with a company, you use a, um, a burner email address or fake email address, whatever you call it. And that way, if a company starts spamming you repeatedly, it's not infiltrating your main email, that it's cordoned off. And if you decide not to do business with the company anymore, then basically that goes dead letter when they try to spam you all the time from a company. So I think that's really a great thing that it allows you to hide your real email address. And there are other features for privacy in iOS 13. And we're going to do a briefing for you at Clark.com that'll go live uh, once it seems like it's a good idea in a couple of weeks to download iOS 13. Ryan is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Ryan. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing, Clark? Great. Thank you, Ryan. How can I be of service to you? Thanks for having me on the show. Certainly. Uh, I have a second home in a in a area that's prone to uh, wildfires, or apparently prone to wildfires. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, it is a second home, and it's in a beautiful place. Uh, my insurance carrier has recently contacted me to say that they're not going to renew the policy due to the wildfire risk. Right. So and, you must be in 
California, Oregon, somewhere on the West Coast? Yes, we're in we're in Northern California. Okay. Yeah, this is this is a, a look see about what Floridians have faced for the last twenty five years where homeowners insurers no longer want to insure anybody in Florida because of hurricanes, and so they have all what I call fake homeowners insurance in Florida. Now California in particular is in a bullseye target with insurers wanting out because of the possibility of the wildfires. Right. So you said this is a second home. What are you looking at doing now that your insurer says they hate you? The broker that I'm working with has given me the option of uh, combining uh, two policies together. One is from the California Fair Plan, and that's intended to cover the wildfire and some of the Mother Nature type risks. And the other one is from a you know a traditional insurance provider to cover uh, the liability and so forth on the home. I think that's good advice generally. You know, I can't talk specifically about your situation but as a general rule that is the right advice and right answer that you're getting from the broker because because you have the state using um, its resources to deal with what could be a catastrophic loss situation to make sure that if something is declared a loss to a wildfire the state is stepping up and i'm just surprised that you said this is a second home because usually states don't back second homes. They only back first homes. But if California will back a second home, then that's a great alternative. And then for insurers, since they've cordoned off the, the wildfire risk, your homeowner's insurance for everything else is likely very reasonable and affordable and probably a typical comprehensive homeowner's insurance policy. Yeah, it's, it is a little bit cheaper on that side of it, but overall it ends up being almost twice as much to, to fully cover the home. But that's because so that's, insurers are so afraid of a risk they can't calculate. Again, paralleling the situation in Florida with the homeowner's insurance and the hurricanes, the name storms, that it is going to be more, ins- more expensive, at least for a while, because they can't calculate what kind of losses there might be from wildfires. Mm-hmm. And regardless of, um, you know, the whole thing about climate change and all that and how you feel about that, the reality is in recent years, the risk of these catastrophic events has gone up. And so it's something that insurers are not able with their actuaries to figure out what is the total exposure they have and what are the odds of it and that's why you're left to the default of state backup and i would grab that even though it is so much more money eric's with us on the clark howard show hello eric hey clark how are you today great thank you you were staring down at sending a kid to college in a couple of years yes we are um and so as we're getting ready to kind of plan that out. I just wanted to know what FAFSA and everybody else looks at when it comes to assets towards eligibility of financial aid. So historically, they're going to look at all assets you have except for retirement accounts. Okay. And so 
that's why as much money as you can plow into retirement accounts is to your advantage. Because at least as of now, that's not a material factor in determining how you're going to be treated for financial aid through the FAFSA process. The FAFSA form, you know, just changed again. And how many years is it till your child goes to college? Uh, he's probably about still three to four more years away, but one of those anal types that like to go ahead and start the process and planning for it. Well, early. here's the crazy thing. Three or four years and how uh, college financial aid works is like, 20 years of anything else so okay. I, I can't give you solid advice on what it'll be like four years from now but knowing that as a general rule what's considered in terms of your assets is that approximately five percent of your assets are expected to be used for your child's college each year do they look at the equity in the primary residence factored into that as well? Normally, yes. Okay. But again, uh, that can change. And so equity that you have total overall net assets are what they're looking at because that's the available resources you have to put towards a child's college. And then once you've met that roughly five point something percent test, then after that, it's looked at that it's reasonable for you to receive whatever financial package it is you can get to make up the rest of the gap. Do you currently? Um, we violate one of your cardinal rules of we don't do a Roth IRA for my wife, but we do. Both the kids have 529 plans. Would you recommend maybe redistributing? Con contributing to the 529 and putting it into a Roth for her or just continuing down the 529 path? Well, that's a very uh, interesting thought. If you have the double tax benefit in your state of getting an upfront tax deduction for contributing to a 529 plus the tax-free growth, it would still be a better idea to do the 529. Okay. Um um, Do you know good. if you Thank get you. a tax benefit on your state tax return? Um, I do not know. I'm in North Carolina, and I don't know if we do or do not. All right, so that would be something for you to look at. Um, go to the link I have to the North Carolina plan on my 529 plan guide, and it'll show you whether or not there is a state tax deduction for you in North Carolina, and you'll be able to make a decision. If you don't have an upfront state tax deduction, Diverting additional contributions into a spousal Roth might be a really superior idea in terms of how you'd be affected overall with the assets you have. This podcast is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Let's face it, sometimes multitasking can be overwhelming. Like when your favorite podcast is playing and the person next to you is talking and your car fan is blasting, all while you're trying to find the perfect parking spot. But then again, sometimes multitasking is easy, like quoting with Progressive Insurance. They do the hard work of comparing rates so you can find a great rate that works for you, even if it's not with them. Give their nifty comparison tool a try, and you might just find getting the rate and coverage you deserve is easy. All you need to do is visit Progressive's website to get a quote with all the coverages you want, like comprehensive and collision coverage or personal injury protection. 
Then you'll see Progressive's direct rate and their tool provide options from other companies, all lined up and ready to compare. So it's simple to choose the rate and coverages you like. Press play on comparing auto rates. Quote at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Today's Clark Rageous moment is one of those things that just keeps on keeping on. There are very, very clever people who have the gift of gab that are able to convince people that they have an opportunity to score big money. Well, this time, there's a guy who just was convicted of wire fraud involving his company. The guy's name is, uh, I'll get this name wrong, Andre Fernandez, who was able to steal roughly $31 million from people, claiming that he had an opportunity for them to produce and promote concerts by famous musicians. And some of them were Jay-Z, Kanye West, Pitbull, among others, and that they were going to make big money promoting concerts. Well, guess what? There were no concerts. There was nothing other than stealing the money. And this Ponzi scheme kind of thing has been around for a hundred years, but there's been a great acceleration in activity that's coming into my view very recently with Ponzi's. Be very wary and skeptical when somebody says they've got a private opportunity for you to score big money and who knows what the scheme is, most of the time you end up with a big fat nothing. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can keep more of what you make. So I have talked for years about how teachers, police officers, firefighters, and other workers in state and local government get absolutely cheated, ripped off, have their money just torn from their wallets when they, in good faith, try to save for retirement. It is something that has infuriated me for as far back as I can remember, I guess as long as I've been aware, that it's not unusual in a 403B plan or 457 plan, which are the types of things that people who work as teachers, police officers, firefighters, local and state government workers are shunted into for retirement, that they are paying a hundred times the cost of someone who works for a private employer who is in a 401k plan, particularly if it's a big employer plan, which you think about how big a lot of government agencies are, it's inexcusable that the workers at these entities who are working for the public benefit are getting so taken advantage of in retirement plans. And it's there's no excuse for it. You know, it's funny. Federal workers have something called the TSP, the Thrift Savings Plan, that has cost to it that may be one-one-fiftieth of what people are paying who work in state and local government. And you can thank Congress for 
just not caring about public safety workers, teachers, others who serve the public and do jobs that they earn less money than they potentially could in the private sector because they want to serve the public. And then they get taken advantage of saving for their own retirement. Well, finally, only decades overdue, the federal agency called the Securities and Exchange Commission has launched an investigation of the insurance companies that rip people off in these 403B plans and 457 plans. And they have to see if the way they rip people off in these jobs is illegal or if it's just bad form. Now, the, the head of the SEC has been talking about how teachers, police officers, firefighters, and others in state and local government are being charged massively more than people in other industries, and that's troubling to him. Well, thank goodness. But here's what you need to know. If you work in any of these jobs, know that the odds that you're being ripped off and the retirement plan being offered to you is almost a certainty. And what I want you to do is instead of putting your money into these plans, is that you fully fund Roth IRAs. And when you do Roth IRAs, you can go with one of the ultra-low-cost companies and maybe pay 150th to 100th of what you pay in all the commissions, junk fees, and ongoing fees that are involved in a 403B or a 457 plan. You just got to know that you are being taken severe advantage of. And what it means is that somebody who works for a company, let's say with a 401k plan, and they put in the same amount of money each month as you do over a working career versus you in a 403b plan, they'll probably end up with twice as much money in retirement as you because they won't have been paying all the junky junk fees you've been paying. So you only want to put into the plan offered, the 403B or 457, if it can be proven to you it's not one of the ripoff plans with the massive expenses, or if there is a match only up to the match, and past that you want to be in your own Roth IRA with a low-cost company. Tom is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Tom. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Tom. You want to head to a place people usually don't think of for Christmas. Tell me. We're heading to Las Vegas. Um, for, for years, our in-laws from San Francisco have been flying to the East Coast, and we decided it's time that we reciprocate the favor for them because it's a financial burden for them to fly their family east as well as time commitment. So we're trying to meet somewhere closer to them. So we decided that Las Vegas could be an interesting place. Well, you know, I covered holiday air travel recently on the show, and I want to reiterate what I said before. The most important thing when you're doing travel over the period from pre-Christmas through Christmas through New Year's and just after is what matters is the day you fly each way much more than exactly when you buy it. Okay. So we're in the window that it makes sense for you to buy 
uh, tickets to Vegas for the Christmas holidays. But what will be the bigger distinction that matters so much is what day you go and what day you return. Unfortunately, I wish we had flexibility on that, but because we're it's four different families, we had to pick a date that would work for everyone. So we're sort of locked in. So I think it'll be what it'll be. Oh, I've man. got the Google alerts. I know. So the We've West the Coasters, the West Coasters and... should have been the ones that were flexible because they're not right. facing the potential big ticket costs. So you in the on the East Coast are being stuck with the big expenses. Yeah, but they've been biting it. They've been biting the bullet for a decade now. So I think so. It's your turn, right? Exactly. Okay. So there's a couple of suggestions I would make to you. Is um, it involves a little bit of work you may not be willing to do, but also a little bit of additional um, potential fun on your trip. Is that you look at fares from your home market to Ontario Airport, east of Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and also to LAX, and see if in addition to checking fares to Las Vegas, I mean, then your family may get to see an area they haven't seen before, you know, for a day or two at either end, if the fare you can get is much, much lower than flying into Las Vegas. Okay, that's a good advice. And then the other option, the other question I had was about lodging. Right now, we we have a refundable Airbnb booked because we like to cook, so we wanted to find a place that we could all stay and and sort of enjoy the Christmas together, as opposed to everybody at their own hotel. Is there a better option other than Airbnb, or is that the best choice? No, if you're looking to rent a place, you want to do Airbnb in Vegas and make sure okay. that it's legit that you're paying through Airbnb and not somebody saying, oh, I want you to pay me through PayPal or anything like that. Now, this is one of their verified hosts, and it was direct through. Great. And how close is it to the Strip? Not far, probably four miles at most. Okay. Well, that's interesting you said that, because for a lot of people going to the Strip, four miles sounds like a long way away, (laughs) but almost all Airbnbs tend to be uh, in Henderson or Summerlin, uh, which are suburban communities a bit from the strip, but um, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's a pretty short trip from any of those down to the casinos. Great. And then any advice for family fun activities in Vegas? We've got... How um, old are the kids? So it ranges from, I think, 11 to 8, 7, 5, uh, five or 4, and 2. So I would take them to the uh, National Recreation Area in the northwest Las Vegas metro area. It's a beautiful, I'm trying to remember, is it uh, Red Rock Canyon National um, Recreation Area, maybe what it's called, that's about probably um, 25 minutes from the Strip. It's a really cool area that they can really see the red rocks that are so prominent in the west. And... In addition to that, take them to um, to Hoover Dam. Yeah, for sure. And at Hoover Dam, you can either pay big money to park in the parking deck on the Nevada side, or you can drive across the Arizona side and park for free. Oh, that's great advice. Yeah, but in December, it may be a little cold, and they may not want to do the walk on the Arizona side, so you may end up wanting to pay to be in the parking deck you'll have to i never i never want to pay yeah i got that then that's me too so i hope you have a great great trip cynthia is with us on the clark howard show hi cynthia 
Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Cynthia. You are interested in protecting yourself with a very simple device that people use very heavily in other countries and very rarely in the United States. What is that? Um, dash cam. Dash cams have been much in the news over the last few months in the United States because um, Teslas come with that technology built into them, but they come with dash cams on steroids where there, there's basically dash cam video from all around the car, and they've been able to determine fault and accidents from them, and it's been a very good thing they have them, and that's why dash cam technology has been heavily reported in the news media the last couple of months and they're so inexpensive what have you seen for pricing so unfortunately everything i've seen is in the 200 dollars range what and yeah (laughs) are you serious yes so and i i remember you um you know, speaking on a prior podcast about it being in the thirty to forty dollar range. No, not that much not. anymore. They're a lot cheaper now. Okay. In fact, on ClarkDeals dot com, um, we did a write up, I think a week ago, on dash cams you could get for fifteen to twenty dollars, and oh, I think wow. all those are still available. It's pretty simple technology. You got one of those suction cups that goes on your windshield. And the camera points out, and you have a screen that you can see, but hopefully you're not going to let it distract you while you're driving. And it records the video on a continuous loop on an SD card, and the units will either come with the SD card, or you'll have to buy one. But SD cards, it would be the capacity you need for a dash cam, usually under $5. Okay. Okay. And do you know, do you need two separate ones, one to see out your front windshield and one for the back, or can one device do both? So usually most people just put a dash cam out the front windshield. Uber and Lyft drivers now buy these devices that have a dual camera, one to shoot out front and then the other to video the passengers in case they have an unruly passenger and they have video of a passenger doing something bad. Uh, but as far as having cameras on the front and the back, there are exotic systems you can buy that do that, but you can't protect against every possibility. So, like, I use a dash cam that just points out forward. But whatever whatever is the level of comfort that would make you happy. But yeah, start, with the, start with the $15 one and see if you find it annoying or helpful. <laughs> and then make a decision from there. But there, there are, as you said, there are some extremely expensive dash cams, and there may be a market for them with commercial services, you know, like a, a commercial delivery truck or something like that. But I don't know that as a consumer, there's a reason for you or me to spend the big bucks. Right. Okay, great. Well, I will definitely check it out on the website then. Okay, and uh, and as far as whether one is better than another of one that's fifteen to twenty dollars, beats me. Okay. <laughs> they're they're pretty inexpensive devices. I use one that I paid twenty five dollars for, uh, I guess a couple of years ago, and it's still working like a champ right now, uh, making sure that I've got that video running in case something happens. My fault or somebody else's. 
Doug is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Doug. How are you doing? Hi, Clark. Doing well. How about yourself? Great. Thank you, Doug. So uh, you have a a 20-year-old you're trying to give some guidance and advice to. Tell me what's going on. Yes. Well, actually, first of all, I want to thank you for how kindly you treat all of your callers. I'm always impressed. Well, thank you. And that's very important to me that, that you mention that because I think that the kindness we should show to each other is something that we've kind of lost or stepped away from in the United States. I feel like we need to get back to that. I absolutely agree. Yeah, my question around um, my son is he was he asked me just this question um, about a couple of weeks ago, and I said, well, Clark says, and <laughs> I couldn't find anything specific about this. That's a phrase around my house. Okay. And um, so he has, a, he has concerns around the debit card that he uses that doesn't have the same consumer protections that a credit card would give him. And one of his concerns and my concerns is if he's able to get a credit card, first of all, is he, will he be able to get a credit card and is there a good option for him? And if he's able to get that credit card, how can he help him manage that um, month to month, week to week? And, you know, sure. the debit card takes the money away and the credit card doesn't do the same kind of, you know, interaction um, financially. All right. So number one, is he in college full time working? What's he up to? He is in college full time and he has a part time job. So as a college student, as long as he's got a credit file, then he is eligible for a student credit card, which is a special privilege that college students have over other uh, people their age at college, you know, 18 to 22 core college years, uh-huh. is that college students are considered to be the lowest credit risk and the highest profitable customer base for any credit card company so all the big issuers and then credit unions as well offer student credit card programs and so i would like for him to get at least one card while he's enrolled as a full-time student uh, Mm. preferably two because it will help him by the time he graduates have a full credit profile the right. thing he's got to do, and this is where most college students fall down on the job, is he's got to pay that balance in full every month. Otherwise, right. uh, he's really harming himself because student credit cards generally carry even a higher than average interest rate. Students mm-hmm. tend to have trouble with the freedom that comes with a credit card. And this is where you as a parent can play a very valuable role is continually guilting him or reminding him (laughs) or whatever you might do in your household that he needs to pay that in full. But um, Discover is the biggest player in the student credit card market, to my knowledge. American Express is in it. And again, some of the other big issuers. And then if you're a member of a credit union, seeing if they have a college student credit card program would be really great. And uh, USAA members as well have access to a college student credit card program. So that's where any full-time college student should get started. A lot of issuers, because of federal regulations, don't like to issue the cards till age 21. But that seems to have kind of melted away for a lot of other issuers in the last year. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. 
Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.